0: Hey, it's Lisa Zahia. Welcome to Being Her, a podcast highlighting, celebrating, and learning from women who have consciously created the lives of their dreams. This episode is brought to you by Coaching with Lisa Zahia. I heard she's great. Lisa helps female entrepreneurs create the businesses of their dreams by combining mindset coaching with business and financial strategy. She regularly helps women double their income and be happy. For a free 30-minute coaching call, please visit www.lisazahia.com. That's L-I-S-A-Z-A-H-I-Y-A.com. Hello, welcome to episode four of Being Her. Guys, I'm so excited about this episode. I have interviewed Shaherazad. She is at the top of her game as one of the superstars of Middle Eastern dance. And I talked to her about how she set those goals and how she achieved what she achieves. She's currently living in Cairo, where she works, teaches, and performs as a full-time Middle Eastern dance instructor. A little bit about her. She has been living in Egypt since 2015, where she lives and works full-time. She appears in top nightclubs as well as film and media there. To supplement her 20-plus years of dance training, she has many fitness certifications. She also has just launched Shaherazad Studios, an online platform for Middle Eastern dance. Hi, Shaherazad. Hey, how are you? Good. So first question, did I say your name right?
1: Yes, there. There are actually a bunch of different ways to say my name. Um, in Arabic, they kind of pronounce the sounds a little bit differently. So in Arabic, it's more like Shahrazad, but Shahrazad is fine, and then Sharzad is also fine. That's the more Persian pronunciation.
0: Gotcha. So, um, welcome to the podcast. This is. Um... We're still in quarantine, so tell us about where are you right now, and um, what's life look like for you right now?
1: So I have been staying with my parents in the States since about mid or late March.
0: Okay. Um,
1: Yeah, so I usually live full-time in Cairo, but we decided to go ahead and come back since I figured out we weren't going to be working and that they would probably shut down the airport in Cairo. We figured we'd just come and spend some family time, but it's turned into quite a few months, (laughs) but I'm super excited because I get to go back home in a few days.
0: Awesome. So tell us about, I love that you call Cairo home. So how long have you lived there?
1: It'll be this fall. It'll be a good, like, five years because we wow I moved there in the end of 2015 so yeah it's like it's a lot it's been like I can't believe it's been that long already
0: and do you do you associate it with like that's my home
1: yes I definitely do like I still very much feel like a guest there because obviously it's not where I'm from it's not my heritage but I really do think of it as my home now, it's where all my friends are, it's where my life is and my home, like my actual physical home. And uh, it's somewhere I definitely wanna continue spending time. Awesome, so
0: not right now because I know it's gonna be a little bit different because we're still dealing with the COVID situation, but the other reason that you're there is because it's where your career is.
1: So yeah.
0: what typically does your life look like when you live in Cairo for
1: you? So it's, it's kind of all over the place. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, but for the past few years, most of my work has been performing. Mm-hmm. So um, like right before I left, I, I had a contract in one nightclub, but then I would also do other events other venues and weddings um and the work over there is crazy performance wise because it's one of the only places as a belly dancer you can really work full time so i was working pretty much every night uh, a few shows a night um but in the past year or two i also started teaching a lot there because belly dances become more and more popular as fitness, which it wasn't always over there. It was in the West. So that's been really interesting.
0: Cool. So what, um, five years ago, what made you be like, I'm going to move to Egypt?
1: It's, it's a long story, but I'll abbreviate it (laughs) because I started visiting Egypt when I was about 17 uh, to take classes. But then it, it was also a place I always really wanted to go. I was, since I was really little, I was obsessed with Egyptian mythology and history. So it's just kind of a coincidence that I ended up going for a totally different reason. Um, and dance is something I really love. Uh, and I love different cultures. And I absolutely love Middle Eastern music. So working over there was kind of a big dream. Um, And I was planning on starting to ask for jobs, or I should say people started giving me kind of tips on where I should look and who I should talk to um, in like 2011. So I actually went and I was going to spend a few weeks and kind of think about doing something over there. And then the revolution started. Right. So I ended up coming back to the States and really putting all of my focus on teaching for several years and getting my Pilates certification and stuff like that. And then the next time I went after that, um, I started just spending some more time with some of the performer friends I had over there. And I got some, offers for auditions and basically just got an open-ended offer. Like when you want to come, we have work for you. And I was like, okay, well I've been able to accomplish a lot of other important things. And this would be a good time for me to see if this is a viable option to really like perform full time.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that the reason I started this podcast is because I really think a lot about in my job, Like, how can we be intentional about creating the lives we want? And when I go through, I know some amazing women, you always come to mind as being very clear about seeing a goal and then being able to direct yourself towards it. So, I mean, you have accomplished, to me, it's like the belly dancer's dream, which is full-time employment and both in the belly dance world and in the belly dance entertainment world in the country of origin. Mm -hmm. So this is a big question, but when you think about that, were you like, I want to do this. And then in what way do you start climbing that ladder towards doing it?
1: Mm -hmm. So I think I was pretty driven pretty early on. And the main driving factor was just, I love dance. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Just, I love this. And that was my main motivation from early on. And um, I guess the direction kind of just came out of the opportunities that showed themselves to me. And I would really jump full in to those opportunities. Like not that there weren't times where I really thought about what I wanted to achieve and added to it, but a lot of that was spurred on by some of these occurrences. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: Like from the beginning, maybe when I was a teen, I was much more focused on the performance aspect and I really, really sought out work and got a lot of experience. But then when that first revolution happened, that was my goal at that point when that happened. And I realized that that wasn't an option at that time. Again, my motivation just came back to like, I love dance. Mm. How can I continue to do what I love in another capacity, at least for now? Cause I knew it couldn't be my goal at that point. Right. That's why I, I just totally shifted my focus. I was like, okay, there's this whole other aspect of my job that I can follow that I also love. Like I love teaching as much as I love performing. So I just started thinking about it and being like, how can I become the best teacher that I can be so I can keep practicing my dance and make it viable in the States? Cause I knew I couldn't perform full time. Right. So that's when I started really diving into um, more varied training and looking for more opportunities as a teacher, getting my name out as a teacher, doing more um, work and kind of connecting with people at bigger events. Um, And then when the performance thing opened up for me, again, it was just kind of like an opportunity that showed itself and I just jumped on it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think I, what I like about what you're saying is you were like, I love this thing and I want to have a career in this thing. So like what I see all the time is people have a goal and then the goal doesn't happen. So they just bounce off and they're like, well, that's not going to happen. So I'm just going to go get a job. But you were like, okay, what are the other ways I can pursue this? Exactly. If you trust then you had this other opportunity and rise in your career, which has probably really helped you get to where you are right now.
1: Yes, totally, totally. Um, I think sometimes people put really rigid goals in place Mm -hmm. for themselves, and then it's really easy to feel like you failed if you don't reach that one goal. But like I said, a huge motivating factor for me is like, this is what I love. And I think about why, why I love it also. Is it about like being like a famous performer or something? No, that's not necessarily why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I love to dance. I love the music. There are so many different avenues that we can take within our careers that continue to enable us to do what we love but we need to have that flexibility in our mindset and our goals if we want to do this long-term because it's very hard when you make such a rigid goal like that.
0: Yeah. And you're going to get disappointed somehow because you're going to get, I mean, you can't be like, Oh, the revolution happened. Shit. Or um, there goes my whole life. (laughs) Like, what are you going (laughs) to (laughs) do? Like you can't really be like mad at people (laughs) because they had a revolution.
1: Um, or covid. You can't be mad because covid. Like I was performing full time, that happened. You got to shift shift gears sometimes. Yeah,
0: so I feel like the thing that feels really important is like the ability to pivot but like stay true to yourself. Like I love this thing, I'm going to pivot, I'm going to pivot and then you just get a stronger foundation. So like the work you're doing now When you go back to Egypt, you're going back this week. You get to be like, okay, now I have all these other things that I worked on. And then you stay attached to the thing you love.
1: Yes, totally. Yeah.
0: So something else that I have observed about you as your friend is that you're very supportive of other women. Um, Like to the point where I've noticed it. You're like, she's so good. She's amazing. I'm her fan. Do you feel like that's something that that is unusual in women, unfortunately? Do you feel like that's something you've cultivated or it's just a natural tendency? Um, and how important it is to support each other?
1: I think that it's it's both. It was both cultivated and something that comes to me naturally. like I've always had some really awesome female friends and that was something that definitely made a big impression on me at starting dance so young and just being around like really really cool women like strong yeah. cool women doing the things that I liked so I always looked up to women because they're the people that really drive this crazy art and industry and there's a lot of revolutionary really amazing women in the history of this dance that we can look up to but there were definitely times where i was put into more negative environments yep just like you said like there's a lot of women that do not act like that and will undermine or just just generally just focus on negativity instead of focusing on fostering positivity and being nice to each other. Um, And I guess, especially when I started traveling and teaching and being kind of on the same level as a lot of big dancers that I had looked looked up to, I found that when my own confidence and happiness was lacking, it was really easy for me to turn Looking at someone else and their achievements into negativity towards them. Yeah. And making it, because it's it's almost an excuse for yourself because like you want validation that like oh they're just there because of this I'm working hard and I'm not there and it's not fair. I think that's a really easy thing for women to get into in particular. Um, but I just realized how toxic that mentality was and. When I really switched that around, I found that I was happier, I was happier with myself, and I also made so many more friends and positive connections when I was just open to recognizing other people being great just for being great.
0: Yeah, I think that that you hit on something really important is that there is this thing where we get pitted against each other but if you, like, it's almost like an act of defiance to believe that I am good enough to uplift other people.
1: Yes, that is that is so much of it. Like, you have to be confident and happy in yourself to be able to be happy for someone else when they're at their best.
0: Right. You know, it's so funny. I was listening to an interview the other day with Oprah and Gail. And- <laughs> of course, i <I've> am referencing. <laughs> the But they were like, the best thing about this friendship is they get super excited for each other. And even um, you and I are in a friend group that we have a group text. And I realized that somebody had said something and we were all like, that's amazing. And then you had been like, I'm going back to Egypt. And we were all like, yay. And I was like, it's really sad that this is unusual.
1: Right? That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, yeah. What
0: what do you think? (laughs) how do you think you built confidence in yourself? Because it comes back to, I can't just be like that false thing of like, other oh, women are great, but I'm like, ah. But like, how do you build the confidence in yourself?
1: Um, I, think, I think a lot of that came from just doing my own work and not comparing myself to others, which I know, like, it sounds easy when you say it, of course, it is not easy, right. but just constantly working on letting go of that comparison and just trying to be as authentic as possible and trying to not let myself look at other people in my industry and immediately start to compare and contrast. Right. Yeah. And also another part of that is that in a, in an industry like this, especially when you're doing the performance stuff in the Middle East, it's really easy to just kind of look at someone or look at someone online and just be like, yeah, whatever, without acknowledging that that person probably also has so many struggles and hardships. And that's a misleading thing about social media. And I think that sometimes it kind of fuels that competition between people. Because you don't see the whole story you don't see that you're all people you're all struggling you're all dealing with your own stuff like everybody has their own path that's just how it is you just gotta focus on yours
0: right and there is space for everyone like yes there's a space like if we go to like pop culture there's a space for like a Taylor Swift and a Lizzo like not that um size style whatever but like when i when i sit in a space of like abundance and i'm like there's enough for everybody everything changes yeah yeah do you think that that helped you get to where you are having that kind of attitude
1: i do i do i think it helped me a lot it opened a lot of doors which i think i think a lot of people um don't realize that when you are in such a competitive mindset, it can really shut you off from a lot of people, a lot of people and, and a lot of opportunities that you can get Mm -hmm. and just being kind and open. That has opened a lot of doors for me, uh, in my teaching career and in performing and just in life. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting that, like, I've heard people say to me about you, like, she's nice. And I'm like, it's unfortunate that we're surprised that women are nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
0: And as your friend, I'm like, yeah, of course she's nice. But then I'm like, oh, yeah, like, people think when you've achieved a certain thing, you might look a certain way. People are like, wow, she's nice. And um I love that we're defying stereotypes.
1: yeah. And you know, the the sad thing about that also is like I've met tons of dance instructors, top dancers, who are super, super nice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um but that again, that just goes to show that like you can't read a book by its cover. Some people get an impression and it's it's so often not the actual story.
0: Yeah, and who you just gotta
1: realize like
0: Yeah. Real people.
1: I'm sure they're fine.
0: (laughs) Who told us that people who are nice had to look a certain way or people who looked a certain way aren't nice? Like, I think for me, especially given what the world is going through right now, I'm like, who told us that?
1: Yes, totally. Totally.
0: Yeah. So I think that like almost like believing in yourself is like the best way to fight the patriarchy.
1: It is. It is because it gives you the confidence to... Be authentically yourself. And it also gives you that encouragement and confidence to uplift other women.
0: Yeah. And to be like, my body is beautiful and I am worthy. Yeah. Yeah. So something else, I'm just telling you all your positive characteristics. Why? Thank you. (laughs) Best interview ever. Something else that I admire about you is that, so I think that for people who aren't belly dancers, uh the great affliction among others of our art form is that people like to take it into fantasy
1: yeah
0: um so you um live in a country of origin and are very clear about talking about the um which in another way is respecting women the the origins of this dance form, and I think that it's a it's a real dance from real people, yeah. Um, but where does that come from in you, caring about that?
1: Um, that's a really good question. <laughs> I think this is what I think. Who knows? I, I've always been, since I was really little, like I said, super interested in culture and history. So I think a big driving factor is just my own curiosity Um, And really wanting to know where this comes from and who's doing it and why and what what came together to create this. I'm I'm very, very nerdy. And then on the other hand, I also care a lot about being honest as a teacher.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, um, I don't want to feed people just like made up crap, which to be completely honest, is a lot of what is out there when it comes to people talking about like origins of belly dance and stuff. And it does take time to do a lot of research and I'm learning new stuff all the time, but we have to take that, that time because like the more and more this dance is taken just as a couple moves and then used to music that's not of, origin and mixing in all kinds of movements like fusion and evolution and dance are fine but if that's the baseline we're teaching people we're getting completely removed from what it actually is which I think is destructive
0: yeah it also goes to me and I think like I'm going back to this theme of like also like if you want to be successful it's I had somebody tell me this recently that like if you think about your career like a boat and you aim it towards like service and good ethics, the wake is like the money and the success. Like it's always going to happen if you point yourself in the right direction. Yes. And I hear in what you just said, a choice between what's convenient and what's the best. Yes. Because you and I are both like commercially sexy white girls with dark hair. So it really be easy to go into some Arabic fantasy or you can choose to do what's correct and go into actual, like, it's such a weird thing to say actual history.
1: Yeah. Right. Right.
0: (laughs) I mean, these days, but like, it's sort of like the fake news thing, right? Is it the fake news or am I actually representing something well?
1: Yeah. I feel like, I also feel like, I am in a super privileged position that I'm actually able to do this as a job and make a living off of it. And I wanna give back to the culture that I love, that's, that's giving me this and has been so welcoming as far as me coming in and dancing at their events and teaching women. And like, I, I feel like I would be doing a disservice to the culture and also my foreign students if i didn't work my best to be the most informed i could and it's it's a lot of work but i think that that's what you need to do if you want to if you want to be the best at at what you do you got to care
0: no i mean that's like name of the game you got to care i think about that all the time am i doing what's easiest or am i doing what's right yes um, so what's that like when you walk in to teach a class full of Egyptian women the dance of their heritage?
1: Very interesting.
0: <laughs> I just, like you were describing it and I like started sweating. I was like, I'd be and, nervous. And
1: humbling. Yeah. Humbling. Like, it's, it's just so awesome to go into a room full of ladies and just have them be so excited. Like... Sometimes I'll actually break down technique. Um, and there's a bunch of Egyptian instructors there. And since belly dance is just part of their culture, they just dance. Like they never really, most of them never really took a more technical approach. And it's been super interesting to see how many girls are really into that. Because now Zumba's huge and all these workout fads are huge. Right. There. So now they're like, oh, wow. Yeah, we really can like do this with this art um but (laughs) sometimes I'll come teach technique some other times it's so funny because I'll go to these women-only gyms and it's a really cool environment because um it's completely women-only so this means women in burqa and hijab are coming and taking everything off and being free
0: what a what an honor to be there
1: exactly it's so cool and some of these parties like these ladies show up in costumes they dress up in fancy dresses and sometimes I show up and they literally just want to dance with me and that is like the (laughs) the coolest thing I get like choked up yeah it's really awesome to be able to to share that experience and it's the most flooring thing is just how welcoming they are and how enthusiastic they are and happy that someone else really cares about their dance like that.
0: Yeah. And are you teaching in English or Arabic?
1: I am busting my ass to be able to teach in Arabic. So the last class I taught over there, I was really proud of myself. I was able to switch back and forth Awesome, And be able to teach maybe half of the class in Arabic cues and go between speaking Arabic and speaking English. But that's a huge goal of mine is to be able to completely teach fluently and maybe talk to some girls over there. Cause there have been a few that approached me about wanting to teach and it would just be so cool to help them kind of continue teaching their
0: dance traditions
1: in a more regimented way
0: awesome and i think that um like it goes to me if we go into more like obviously belly dance is like an amalgamation of a bunch of folk dances but if we go to like other eastern movement forms there's this like respect and part of it i think learning the language like it makes me be like shouldn't we all do that
1: yeah yeah you know, the, it's been a really interesting experience both to live in Egypt but also to be learning because right when I left, I've, I've made a lot of progress in Arabic in the past few years and I am by no means completely fluent yet. But it, I will tell you, it has been very interesting, the things that I have learned, the more and more I can speak and actually interact with people and see what people are saying about stuff. Because one thing that happens when we learn as foreigners is there's things dancers and musicians will say that'll get badly translated and then misinterpreted. And then when it gets to us, like we're getting very edited, skewed information. Um, But yeah, when you get it from the source, it's really... Eye opening in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, I bet. So tell me, I mean, I think that a lot of people, when I I came to visit you last year, um, this could be a whole interview out of itself, but just like a snapshot of living in Cairo, people to me said they'd be like, What was it like? Like, were you just riding camels everywhere? Which obviously we have these like ass backwards viewpoints of cultures, and I was like, Oh Well, I left her apartment and went to the gluten-free bakery across the street and then used Uber. They were like, how did you Uber? And I was like, from the app on my phone. It's the same thing.
1: (laughs) It's the same thing.
0: (laughs) So I think that people I encountered had an idea that it was – I mean, I think that there is this awful stereotype about all of Africa that is like – I don't even want to say unevolved because I don't want to say that um, like modern city is evolved, but that it is behind us where it is not.
1: Yeah. I think, unfortunately, a lot of Americans get that perspective about most of the rest of the world.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And that's partly just because of how other countries, especially in the Middle East are depicted in movies and on the news like we just get this impression that things are in a time warp over there which they're not especially in big cities like these are really modern places with a lot of different people cairo is one of the biggest cities in africa right um and you can still see people especially if you go to certain regions of egypt living a very old lifestyle But that doesn't mean that there's not also super modern people. Like, look at America. We have, like, Amish people down the road from me in my parents' house here that are living like pilgrims. And yet we still have all of this development and um, everything in in our cities. And it's the same over there.
0: What? Um, well, also, just as an aside, I think the world right now is telling us that we are not at the forefront of everything. As yes,
1: <laughs> we need to remember this.
0: <laughs> um, and I always encourage people who say things like that. I'm always just like, get a passport.
1: Yeah, it's totally. World,
0: and amazing. And I mean, like for me, I stood in the pyramids and saw how they were constructed. And I was like, we might not be at the forefront of where we think we are maybe taking a step backwards yeah but anyway what do you what's your what are your favorite parts about living there
1: i i mean obviously like the reasons that i moved there definitely were realized like just being immersed in the culture learning arabic having constant access to live music even if it's not like me performing it's just always around like so many cool venues, so many cool artists doing cool things. Like just being in that culture and being in a place where people like, this is their culture. They take it seriously and they respect it. Cause that was something I'm not going to lie. was really sad for me in the States for a while. Um, I really was so into the music and just like learning as much as I could about folk dance styles and where everything comes from and why. And it really bummed me out when I would go to events and I didn't feel that same interest. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. So that's been great. Obviously it just feels like home. Cause like I can go sit down in a cafe And Umkalsum will come on and you could just talk to the person next to you about it. And they'd be like, oh, this is my favorite song. And this is what it meant to me when I was young. Like, those are really special things to be able to connect with people on.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. I feel like I've always felt that, like, um, on a very different level. But, like, even just performing at um, Arabic or Middle Eastern-owned restaurants and cafes here, like, to have people... That take the music seriously and they are so excited that you you love it yeah um let's talk a little bit about habits so you you are extremely um successful in your career do you have any like key habits that you attribute to that like if i set my eye on something how am i gonna track that like even recently here you've started teaching online and things like that and i've watched you like very meticulously move through it do you have a a way that you think about that or is it just how you work
1: uh that's that's just how i am <laughs> it's just <laughs> how i am yeah <laughs> i uh i i love what i do and i get bored easily like i'll be honest i i get bored when i'm not working Um, so I, I always love just filling my plate up with as much as possible. Sometimes it's too much. And that's kind of what I'm working on now is just kind of trying to narrow in on something. But like I said, within what I love, which is dance, there are so many different avenues and I'm always coming up with inspiration. I always keep a folder on my computer With a list of ideas, cool ideas, things I want to learn, things I want to work on, things I want to offer as a teacher or a performer. I keep all of these lists. And um, of course, every once in a while, my focus will shift a little bit. So when it's all performing, I'm like, okay, great. I can dig into these performance ideas that I wanted to do. Like I really wanted to do this new style. So now I can develop that because I have an outlet for it. And then when things like this happen, I can switch gears and be like, I have the time. What did I want to learn more Right. and improve about myself? And then also, how can I continue to offer what I do in a way that's going to fit into my environment? So I'm always just pivoting. Some of it has to do with what work is actually coming to me at the moment Right. Some of it also has to do with what's making me happy. Like maybe I might get a little bored and I want to switch focus just to stay in love with what I'm doing.
0: Totally. Yeah. I feel like you said two things that are important. One is, um, like just being honest about what you love. Like I get that all the time. People like you work too much. And I'm like, I like it. Yeah. Um, and of course you balance that, but whatever it is, if you love being a parent, like, I'm just like, just go do the thing you love. And then the other thing is that like, I always say input equals output. So you have the inspiration ready when you want to put something great out. Cause we have to take, like, you can't run a marathon only eating McDonald's
1: Yeah, Totally.
0: Yeah. Um, so last question uh, what would your message be to, to women? No pressure, not a big.
1: Quote. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure at all. <laughs> um, I guess I guess I would say, kind of tying into stuff we were talking about before, try to value yourself as you are and do not look for that value in comparison to other people and where they're at. You have to be able to make that value for yourself and then share that with other people, share your confidence and uplift people around you. Because when you cultivate that kind of a mentality and that kind of a circle, then all, all you can do is go up, you and the people around you and you can pull each other up on the way, but you have to cultivate that from the beginning.
0: Right. Get excited for Oprah. Yeah. Yeah. And they weren't like, well, Oprah's excited for Gail. They were like equally excited. And I'm like, really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think, I think that's really awesome. So you're going back to Cairo this week. Yes. (laughs) What are you the most excited about?
1: I am. I'm the most excited just to be back in my, my house and see my pets you know and then slowly get to see some of my friends and just and just kind of get back into uh the rhythm of life over there because basically i've been getting a lot done and it's been great to spend time with my family but you know it's kind of like your life being on hold you're not in your yeah you're not like I don't have my stuff. Right. So it's just kind of felt like a life on hold. So I'm just really excited to get back and just move forward from here and establish a new normal.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much for the time. And I will put a link to all of your amazing social media in the comments and your websites. And um, we hope you have a safe trip. Thank you. I'm so excited. Bye. Well, I really learned a lot from that. We'd love to hear more about who you want to have on the podcast. So send me an email at lisa at dot com. Stay tuned for our next episode coming out next Monday.